This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. We're here today with uh, Todd Leduc from, uh, retired from the Broward County Sheriff's Office Fire Rescue Department after nearly 30 years. Todd, welcome to the program. Uh, give us a, uh, an idea of what you're doing now. Thanks, Mark. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, and uh, thanks for all your service and your work. So, uh, yeah, as you uh, as you mentioned, I uh, uh, had spent uh, thirty just under thirty years at uh, Broward County, working my way up uh, uh, from paramedic firefighter up through the ranks, uh, uh, chief of operations, many other positions. I retired as uh, executive assistant chief uh, in the office of the fire chief, and. Uh, Guess I got one day of retirement in. I played uh, 18 holes of golf on June 2nd, and then uh, June 3rd, um, I went to work as the chief strategy officer for for LifeScan Wellness Centers, a uh, a national company that does exclusively police and firefighter NFPA 1582 physicals uh, across the country. So that's been my passion and. um, that's my next chapter here in uh, working in the private sector, but closely with the fire service. Uh, outstanding. We're, we're glad to continue to have you um, as part of the family. Um, you know, Broward is a, a busy metro-sized department. Uh, I know in your time there, you saw a lot uh, in, in the fire service. What are some of the unique uh, occupational risks uh, that we know of in the fire service. Uh, I've been 39 years, you've been at 30 years. What are, for our listeners, some of those unique risks that we know, uh, especially as that compares to other occupations that are out there? Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've had the, uh, uh, I guess, the vantage point and be, been very fortunate to serve on the uh, International Association of Fire Chiefs uh, uh, safety, health, and survival section board of directors for, I guess, the last 15 years. And then, uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Broward being a, a large 900-person career uh, department, um, I had that vantage point, too. And, um, you know, when we talk about unique occupational uh, risk specific to our profession, um, I have to really, you know, uh, look at where we continue to uh, to have uh, line of duty deaths and, and disabilities where um, our members were losing them uh, or they're disabled to the point where they can't continue on the job. And and those uh, really break down into, I, I kind of termed it the three-legged stool. There's really uh, three occupational uh, health risks to, to firefighters that uh, uh, are unique to our profession. Uh, the first being um, occupational cardiac risk um, we know that firefighters have uh, an elevated um, risk from cardiac uh, incidents and uh, sudden cardiac death. Um, we also, you know, when we look at our on-duty, line-of-duty deaths, uh, annually, uh, approximately about 50% of those contribute uh, uh, in one way or the other from a cardiac event, um, many of them uh, on the scene of our uh, fire grounds or, or within training. So uh, that's the one leg of the stool. Uh, the, the second leg of the stool that uh, 
uh, many of us are talking about and we're certainly looking at much more today than I'm sure when you started or, or when I started uh, on the job uh, is occupational exposure uh, to carcinogens and that uh, elevated risk uh, to firefighters from uh, the environments that we operate in, the, the toxic environments. So, uh, you know, the reality is, uh, uh, unfortunately, in, in our general population, according to uh, American Cancer Statistics, uh, about uh, a little bit more than one out of every three, about 39% uh, of general population members are going to battle cancer at some point in their life of one form or another. And we know firefighters uh, from some of the, the research findings that have been done um, have an elevated risk on top of that, not only of contracting cancer, but mortality from cancer. And obviously, uh, a lot of talk in that front, we're, we're still not really sure the, the exact magnitude. Uh, we're hopeful that the, the new uh, federal cancer registry will help us continue to refine how actually large of an issue this is within the service. And then lastly, um, Mark, I think the third leg of the stool is uh, behavioral health. You know, and that, that really is a whole spectrum of behavioral health uh, disorders uh, on the far extreme uh, being firefighter suicide. And, um, you know, I think same thing with cancer. We, we don't have really a, a good national tracking system uh, for the magnitude of firefighter suicide issue. But uh, based on anecdotal reporting, we know it's uh, it's one that uh, we need to we need to focus on as uh, occupational threat to our members. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about uh, suicide and in, in a lot of classes that I uh, teach myself. I, I talk about it as the 10th chair, uh, which is the one we don't talk about a lot. We, we tend to push it in the corner. And I thank you and others who have begun to, to bring that chair um, more into the, to the light uh, so that we can recognize the issue. We have as many people dying from suicide, probably more now, than are from our traditional line of duty deaths. And I think, uh, you know, once people really begin to see that and understand that, uh, it, it, uh, it, it drives home that it's no longer something we can just push into a, a, a closet. No, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, we, we have, uh, I think, become uh, better at destigmatizing uh, the notion of behavioral wellness and uh, suicide uh, in the fire service, uh, um, you know, largely through, as you point out, just uh, awareness and uh, elevating the discussion, uh, uh, enhancing resources that are out there, such as uh, peer support teams. Uh, but it's, and again, I mentioned uh, uh, suicide is really uh, the far end of the behavioral health spectrum. So we know uh, there's elevated risks in, in the occupation of firefighting uh, uh, from stress, from uh, sleep deprivation, from uh, elevated uh, poor coping mechanisms such as alcohol dependency or chemical dependency, um, higher rates of post-traumatic stress disorder. So uh, all of those combined when they're not addressed uh, early um, lead to a, a bad uh, a bad space uh, and, and unfortunately in some cases suicide. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Uh, so that, that three-legged stool is important to 
the, the cardiac and on-duty LODDs uh, as the first. The second is the occupational uh, carcinogen risk, and then the, the third, behavioral health. I appreciate you highlighting that. So we briefly mentioned some statistics on cancer, uh, and I know in uh, 2015, the uh, National Cancer Institute and the University of California did one of the most comprehensive studies that I'm aware of on um, cancer risk and uh, that was a, a study of nearly 30,000 firefighters on the East Coast, the West Coast, and in uh, the heartland of America. Um, from that, can you talk about some of the, the magnitude of, and we'll, well, first we'll say with cancer specifically since that was the study, but what is the magnitude of the problem and, you know, what is the um, increase in cancer risk and mortality as we know it from these studies? Sure, and I think you're you're spot on with that, Mark. Is you know there's been a, a number of different studies done. Some of them uh, smaller uh, numbers in terms of the n- number of firefighters that they looked at. That largest one, about thirty thousand in three different areas of the of the country, uh, basically showed that there were elevated rates in a number of different types of cancers. When you combine them all together, it was about a nine percent increase overall in elevated risk of firefighters so that's uh you know again i mentioned uh, about 39 percent rate for general population at some point in their life will battle cancer firefighters are looking at approximately nine percent higher and what that same study also found was that there was a 14 percent increase in mortality uh, from from cancer in firefighters and compared to other occupations. Um, I, I think we still have a lot to learn on this front. Um, you know, the majority of the fire services, you know, and I know, and our, our listeners know are uh, volunteer firefighters. And oftentimes uh, when uh, they succumb to cancer, the occupation is not listed as firefighters on their death certificate. So I, I think those numbers are probably under-reporting, um, and that's that really speaks to the importance of the cancer registry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the cancer uh, cancer registry is going to be huge. Even I can tell even the uh, dogs don't like us talking about uh, about cancer and firefighters, but that's, that's part of what uh, we're here for is to make sure that we're not um, – stigmatizing it in any way and that we're talking about these things openly. So as we talk about the magnitude of of cancer, how about cardiac and suicide? We mentioned it a little bit, but can you speak to the magnitude of uh, the cardiac and suicide losses in the fire service uh, from a numbers and a studies perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, we touched on uh, sudden cardiac death is about uh, uh, 50% of our on-duty deaths annually. Um, I think we've, through the work of, of many and many stakeholder groups, have, have continued to drive those numbers down. But we know it's about half of the, the on-duty deaths are from cardiac. I, I think sometimes the story that's not told with those uh, statistics are uh, uh, researchers has reported that uh, uh, for each one of those unfortunate and tragic deaths, uh, somewhere between 75 to 25 uh, additional uh, disabling cardiac events occur. So, you know, that's that's a pretty sizable number when you look at, uh, um, you know, for every tragic line of duty death, we have 
somewhere between 17 and 25 other members that are are termed what many call cardiac crippled, that uh, while they survived the cardiac event, they have such severe heart damage um, that it precludes them from a a decent quality of life. So um, we we know there's a number of variables that contribute to the elevated cardiac risk. Uh, Dr. Denise Smith, Dr. Stephanos Kales from Skidmore and Harvard, respectively, um, you know, have looked at uh, uh, heat stress and the role that that plays, uh, uh, enhanced uh, clotting, the role dehydration plays on the cardiovascular system. Um, so all, all of those, you know, contribute significantly um, to elevated cardiac risk. Um, and, and on the behavioral, fr- uh, you know, health front, um, the, the numbers are um elevated in almost every area of the behavioral health spectrum, Um, you know, whether that be um, firefighter um, prevalence of uh, alcohol abuse has been widely reported by Dr. Sarah Janke and others, Um, sleep um, disturbances and and poor uh, sleep hygiene, um, which if you've been in the service, you know, any length of time, we know we can't pre-schedule our our emergency services calls, um, rates of post-traumatic stress disorder. There's some studies out there um, reporting uh, rates as high as 37% in uh, firefighter populations. You see those type of numbers in returning combat vets. Um, and in suicide itself, there's uh, um, elevated uh, rates. We have, uh, in many cases, general population rates in the single digits. The research tells us, uh, limited as it is on firefighter populations, uh, that uh, uh, one study out there in particular looks at about a 16% uh, uh, self-reported uh, rate of attempted suicide at least once by firefighters. And that's, again, self-reporting. Um, so you tend to think those are probably underestimated um, due to the, st- the stigma of talking about it uh, openly with researchers. But uh, we, we know that it's a unique occupational risk, each of the three, um, that's higher than general population, which is really why, um, you know, we need to have processes in place, programs in place, training in place, and early detection in place. It's different than it would be for general population. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a, a great segue here as uh, we talk about prevention um, and, you know, firefighters are used to here in prevention and community risk reduction and prevention and CRR. But uh, we want to talk about prevention and firefighter risk reduction. So as we talk about uh, prevention and, and that uh, risk mitigation, um, how do they play roles in reducing occupational line of duty losses? You know, I, I think it's actually um, so, several fold. Um, one is uh, unique uh, educating and awareness, I think is is best way to describe it, is to uh, enhance the knowledge base of our firefighters um, for and, and the leadership, um, uh, both on the volunteer side and in career uh, sides of the service, um, of these unique occupational risks. I think having that elevated awareness um, allows each member to be um, more diligent in, in their own personal accountability. I think secondly is um, uh, risk mitigation strategies 
uh, no different than community risk reduction that you mentioned. Um, we see what are the things that we can put in place uh, as departments, as individuals um, in each of these areas. You know, on cancer front, we see um, uh, really a, a push with uh, early uh, decontamination practices with uh, changes in our personal protective gear. Um, we we know that uh, on the on the cardiac front, uh, we see uh, changes, very simple things such as uh, hydration status. You know, there's some studies out there that show uh, most firefighters show up to work dehydrated um, from from several reasons uh, potentially, but dehydration status at the beginning of a shift. Um, is very difficult to catch up uh, and rehydrate yourself to an appropriate level. And we know that being dehydrated in and of itself uh, elevates your risk for cardiac event due to uh, increased blood uh, viscosity or thickness. Um, and the same on the behavioral health front. We know we need to have better uh, mitigation and, and support practices or safety net, if you will, in place. Probably one of the best is awareness training to recognize members that are struggling. Uh, peer support programs, tremendous resource um, that uh, members feel comfortable um, speaking with other members that are trained in active listening skills and recognizing members that are struggling and knowing how to navigate them to more qualified resources. So uh, those are some, some practices that we can put in place and then I, I have to be honest, I mean, each of the, the occupational health risks we talked about today um, really have well uh, evidence-based research uh, supported um, early detection tools. Um, it speaks to such the importance of uh, uh, appropriate annual medical physicals and, and screenings, whether we're talking about cancer detection, uh, cardiac uh, early detection or behavioral health detection is um, really uh, each of those, uh, uh, if we identify uh, early uh, areas where uh, health risk is, is an issue or disease process has started, uh, in almost all three of the, those areas we've talked about today, survival is tremendous. It's when, when we don't find those early in their later stage or they've developed um, that, that often the outcomes are, are tragic, and, and that's, I think, something we all need to take a look at. Uh, you know, I know the IFC had done some research uh, uh, in, in 2016 looking at uh, annual medical exams. I think, I think the numbers were close to 40% of the volunteer community still were struggling to get uh, uh, their members an annual medical. I think in the career side, it was reported that approximately 20% of the departments still were challenged to provide a medical exam. And then... Uh, I think the number was only 10% of any of the firefighter medical exams uh, had any type of behavioral health screenings. And that's, that's something we need to work as a service on um, to, to uh, make sure early detection is part of the solution. Yeah, that uh, er early detection is uh, probably the, uh, the key right now to making us better because you know we we know about nfpa uh, 1582 and and 1583 fitness programs so you know we we know all about uh, the things we're supposed to be doing um and i think 
as you indicated, a lot of departments are still struggling to get the baseline physicals. And if we can get those baseline physicals and then the continuing physical programs going, that's where we're going to find the problems and be able to take the, uh, the continuing preventative steps to make people better. In the absence of that, and you know, whether it's a political rancor or whether it's, it's just a money factor, or, you know, whatever it is for the people who control those purse strings, ultimately uh, prevention, early detection, prevention, mitigation are all things that are going to save money and save lives. But it's kind of the, you know, cutting off your nose in spite of your face. We're, we're going to save it on the front end, not realizing people are going to die and, and we're going to spend more money on the back end. So early detection, that really is the key, right? I mean, that that really is the key to what we're talking about. It, it really is in, in two, two ways, uh, humanistically. Um, you know, there's a slide I use uh, all the time when I when I present on this topic across the country is uh, uh, it shows survivability from four of the most common cancers uh, when they're detected uh, within the, the primary site of origin. Um, so if it haven't if it has not left where the cancer originated, uh, detection uh, of such an early stage has in almost every case survival in the 90 to 100 uh, percent range. I mean, just great outcomes. Uh, that same slide shows that if that cancer spreads beyond the primary site, that survival just drops off almost like a cliff. Um, so, it, you know, if we want to we want to talk about, uh, uh, you know, stemming the, the tragedies of, of losing members from cancer, early detection has to be part of that equation. Um, and then we talk about cost. There was a study done um, by the Rand Corporation that looked at that uh, that 30,000 member study of uh, fire service cancer that we talked about a little bit earlier in, in the uh, in the discussion today. Um, what they found was the cost to treat uh, a cancer at its very early stage versus the cost uh, for fire departments and insurance when that cancer has already spread past the primary site it is astronomically uh, cheaper uh, to the to the service uh, to find that cancer early. So it really is a twofold equation. It's it's uh, the success of great outcomes in, in limiting the human toll uh, of many of these occupational diseases. And at the same time, it's cheaper in the long run, uh, no different than implementing a health and wellness program. And, you know, the, the IFF, I, uh, IFC's health and wellness initiative, looking at the return on investment. Uh, well, you may spend some money to, to uh, start your early detection or your health and wellness program. It's going to save you long run in terms of uh, your, your costs to your departments and to the individuals. So uh, I, I can't be more passionate enough. Uh, you know, I'm sure like you, Chief, uh, um, I've attended far more firefighter funerals than I ever had a, had even dreamed of uh, when I signed up for the service and certainly as I worked my way up through the, the commands. Um, and when I look back at, at many, if not most of them, um, you know, I can't help to think that if we had uh, um, progressed further with uh, some of the things we've talked about today, perhaps many of those members may still 
be with us. And that, that's kind of what drives my passion um, to continue to push and advocate and, and work to get these, uh, um, get these safeguards in place for our members. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and early detection, like you said, uh, the dollars, they, they all play a role in people's decisions on these programs. But uh, I hope, like you, I hope that uh, the, the uh, politicians and the chiefs that are listening and the people that make those decisions understand these are people's lives. They're not dollars. And uh, when we drive it home personally, I think that uh, uh, people will begin to see that it's, it's just not some hyperbole. These really are people's lives we're talking about, and each of those lives affects other lives. So, Todd, I, I appreciate your time with us today. Anything uh, else that uh, you want to drive home for us? You know, I'll just I'll end with this. And this is a this is a true uh, story. Is uh, Spring, Texas, uh, a department out there that uh, implemented uh, through, through the leadership of the department and um, the membership. It's a combination department, so uh, um, you know, uh, very representative of the fire service, both career and volunteer. Um, you know, they found uh, uh, one of their members, Matt Corsto, uh, who's very open about this story. Um, found uh, an early detection uh, testicular cancer in him, and uh, he he you know was early enough that he was able to survive that battle and return to work cancer free and um, very passionate about. It, but he he tells a story all the time that uh, you know for less of the cost of a dress uniform to bury him in his department. Uh, invested that in uh, the survival of its members through early detection. And, you know, I've heard him tell that story, uh, um, several videos he's done and testimonials and actually had the honor of, uh, and I didn't know it at the time, he was actually in one of my presentations uh, when we were talking about early detection, stood up and it really, it hit home for me as, as a chief. And we all, you know, have to balance uh, our resources and finite resources and where we invest them, but uh, it was powerful. So like you said, uh, for those that are listening and, um, you know, we have, we have to put, uh, put our members health, safety, and welfare at the forefront. Uh, a wise mentor told me if you don't have firefighters, uh, you don't have a fire department. So, uh, we, we, I hope some of the discussion today has imparted everyone to take a look at their health and wellness programs and see uh, where they can uh, enhance them and uh, certainly focus on some of the things we've we've discussed today. And I thank you um, for the opportunity to have this uh, discussion today. Tremendous. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. Uh, we have been talking today with Todd LaDuke, a 30-year fire service veteran, uh, currently serving as the chief strategy officer with LifeScan. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks again, Chief. Stay safe.